got some good friends in their world? How many are standing next to somebody who's a good friend? Uh, maybe you're standing next to somebody you don't know that well right now and it's a little bit awkward putting up your hand. But how many know we all need good friends? Good friends are important. Friends either lift you up or they lower. Don't be a friend that lowers the level. Be a friend that lifts up. And God's designed it, formed it and fashioned it that would not just relate to Him but in our relationship with one another would express our relationship with God. In fact, Jesus said, you'll be known as my disciples by the love that you have for one another. Quickly, just before you take your seat, I want you to turn to three or four people and say, be a good friend, be a good friend, be a person who lifts, not lowers. All right. If you got your Bible, let's go to Luke chapter four this morning. Luke four, belong, belong, belong. It is simply a longing to be. Belong is a longing to be. It's not a longing to do. It's not do long. It's be long. And we all have this desire to, to be, just to be. We're not accepted on the basis of what we do. You gotta know that you're loved before you came into this place. God loves you as you are, but He loves you so much He doesn't wanna leave you that way. But first, the foundation of our life is just in our being, just being. And understanding that God gives us the grace to be, which then empowers us to do. Uh, this morning, we're gonna dive deep into a subject that's, that's it's very deep. We're not going to talk about physical healing, emotional healing, uh, physical healing. We're not talking about physical healing. We're not talking about mental healing or sexual healing. Today, we're going to be talking about emotional healing. How many know we are emotional beings? Uh, some of us don't think others are. In fact, when Kathy uh, often watches me watch a movie and it's a sad place, she goes, why aren't you crying? I'm going, hey, baby, I'm feeling it. It's just not expressing itself through my eyes. Uh, how many know uh, we are all emotional beings? We all have emotional uh, emotions, and it's important that we get in touch with our emotions. So let's go to Luke chapter 4. Let's see what Jesus came to do. It says, so Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and it was, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I like, I like that right there, that Jesus had a custom, he had a habit, he had a pattern to his life, and his habit was on the Sabbath that he would go to the house of God. I really believe that's a good custom to have. I don't know if it's your custom right now, but if you wanna be a follower of Jesus, why not follow some of the patterns and the behaviors that he displayed when he was here on earth? He made a custom of going to the house of God. And he, there, he, he went there and he stood up to read and it was handed to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, 
and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Let me tell you, uh, tell you what he's saying here. He's saying, I'm him. I am the one that Isaiah spoke of. I'm him. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. Now, now in this passage, you'll see that there's five foundational ministries of Christ. Now, Jesus came to bring salvation, you know, to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. And, and this, uh, you'll see the second ministry is the spirit of baptism. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And we know that God came upon him when he was baptized in the form of a dove. And, and then you'll see within there, there's a spirit, of, there's the ministry of healing. It says to, uh, to, to, to bring recovery of sight to the blind. The fourth ministry is the ministry of, of deliverance, to, to proclaim liberty to the captives. The fifth, fifth foundational ministry is the ministry of emotional healing which often gets overlooked and skipped out. It's, it's to heal the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The King James Version translates oppressed as those who have been bruised. To set at liberty those who are bruised. Today I only have two points that I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about broken hearts and bruises broken hearts and bruises, and how Jesus came to heal both. Number one, Jesus came to heal. Here's good news today, you ready for it? He came to heal broken hearts. Now broken hearts is made up of two words. Broken means heart, no, heart means heart, and broken means to shatter into pieces. How many remember the good old days of the Akarok Cup? Some of you still have some Akarok Cups. They were meant to be unbreakable. But how many know nothing in life is unbreakable? In fact, you go to many places today, many tea rooms, they've still got the Akarok cups. But if you do a good job, you can actually shatter those Akarok cups. You, you don't pull them into pieces, they don't just break apart into a few pieces. What happens if you're to break an Akarok cup, they shatter into a thousand pieces, so much so that there's no chance of putting that back together. And, and that's what this word means. It, it means to be in a place where your heart is shattered. And here's the good news. That's what Jesus came to heal. He came to heal the shattered heart. I, I want you to, you to ask yourself a question. Has your heart ever been broken? Most people would say yes to that. Uh, have you ever been hurt before? Lift up your hand if you've ever been hurt before. You know, sometimes we can hurt ourselves and we can pretend we're not hurt. You know, you ever hurt yourself physically and uh, you don't want anybody else to know that it's real painful. And you go, no, I'm not hurt, but you're really hurt. And almost like you wanna burst into tears, but you think, oh man, I don't wanna display that. And so you lock it up and then you get home and you, uh, you cry out. You know, the fact of the matter is we've all been hurt. Uh, I wanna ask you, has your heart ever been shattered? Because there's good news today, there's somebody here to heal that. 
who can put every piece back together and you don't have to live uh, with a broken heart. Maybe it's somebody who left you. Maybe it's a parent or a family member who did something to you, said words that put you down or let you down. Uh, Maybe it's somebody you loved who didn't return that same love and your heart was hurt and it ended up in fracture and even broken relationships. Or or perhaps it's as simple as you went for a job and you didn't get the job. And and you, you got rejected. And now you, you live within certain confines to, to, to avoid ever being rejected again. Perhaps it's somebody who's close to us that they died and, and they passed away and our heart is shattered. See, it doesn't matter the reason for our broken heart, but, but the root of it is the same. Now, when you suffer great loss and disappointed, we feel hurt, we feel scorned, we feel forgotten, we feel crushed. And we even feel rejected on the inside. Even though we're blessed as a Christian, how many know Jesus never promised a pain-free life? It's not like give your heart to Jesus and all pain is gone. Whoever told you that is a liar. You know, as believers, we still experience pain. Now, now the, the, the thing with pain is if it's not dealt with right, we can allow two strongholds to come into our life that can hold us in bondage. And it's our response to a broken heart and a bruise determines whether we live with a spirit of rejection or not. The, the title of my message is Dealing with the Spirit of Rejection. Because the fact of the matter is we're all gonna have to face it at some point in time. And what happens when our heart is broken is that the stronghold of rejection can come into our life. Our heart can be broken over a relationship or a friendship or, or somebody you know, who does something to us. And, and at that moment, rejection came in. I want, you to, I want you to know what happens when rejection comes in. And I want you to know that we're all susceptible to it. Maybe you've never heard this before, but we've all been rejected. And I don't know if you understand, we've all been rejected by God. It's a theological truth that that we're born rejected because of our sin nature. A, A holy God can't have relationship with us because of our sin. Because we've all sinned, we've missed the mark. You know, God can't relate to us apart from the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and nobody can come to the Father except through me. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus has made a way? But you gotta understand, we're born rejected, and we can all easily be rejected. Now, many of this happens to us while growing up, but it can even happened to us in our, our latter years. Here's the deal though, but when hurts go untreated, when we hold on to grudges and the feelings of being rejected, what happens is, is those wounds give a foothold for the enemy to come in and influence our life. Untreated, hurt, rejections, feelings, in the end they enslave us. 
and we don't even sometimes know. I, I just wanna quickly give you seven ways that untreated wounds can manifest themselves. Uh, just quickly, so I wanna give you understanding. In fact, in Proverbs it says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Uh, some of you have got behaviors in your life and you don't know where they're coming from. Now, I, I wanna show you the symptoms today of untreated wounds, the symptoms, so that you can deal with the root of that behavior. So I wanna quickly give you seven emotional strongholds that, that, that are symptoms of a spirit of rejection. The first one is anger, anger. People who have outbursts of anger have a spirit of rejection. You know, people who just lose control, punch holes in walls. You know, they're like David Banner, you don't wanna see me when I'm angry. No, you're not the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, but, but extreme inappropriate displays of anger are an evidence of an emotional stronghold stemming from a past pain. In fact, a man who abuses a woman is somebody who doesn't love himself first. Uh, and nobody abuses somebody else without, uh, without some self-hatred going on. And if you have uncontrollable anger, you get into environments where you go, man, I can't even control myself. I don't even know where this is coming from. Could it be from a past wound that's been left untreated and a spirit of rejection has come in there that is now manifesting itself in anger? Now, come on, King Saul in the Bible, he was a classic for this. Now, because of Saul's disobedience, the Bible said that God rejected Saul as king over Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 26, it says, but Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord. Listen to this. And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Now, now what happens to Saul is a distressing spirit comes into his life because he, he opened the door. And as a result of this, a spirit of rage would often come upon Saul that he wasn't able to control his behavior. In fact, he employed David as a musician to soothe him. And every time David played his harp, it was like Saul felt at peace. But there, there came times and there came moments where, where Saul got so angry. In fact, one time he picked up his javelin, his spear. And as David's playing, he threw it across the, uh, the room seeking to kill David because the spirit of rejection was now manifesting, manifesting itself in rage. See, when people exhibit anger and try to physically harm people, it's not a good spirit in operation. It's an evil spirit. So the first, first symptom is anger. Second one is insecurity. How many have been insecure before? We can all, now I'm, I'm talking about not just those who have little insecure feelings, because we all have those all the time. I'm talking about people who constantly need attention. Uh, uh, people who constantly need to be propped up on a regular basis. You know, uh, it's almost like they spend too much time on their appearance and how they look. You know, it's like the amount of time uh, worrying about what other people think about them is just so so disproportionate to, to life and actually living that, that, that is ruling them, that is controlling them. 
It's like, like if people walk into a room and, oh, that person looked at me a funny way. They don't like me. It's like, no, they're just probably thinking about themselves. How many know most of the time people aren't thinking about you? Because they're busy thinking about themselves. Uh, but a spirit of rejection is like you're, you're all the time. Like if I don't look a certain way, if I don't behave a certain way, you know, I'm going to get rejected again. And insecurity is a symptom of a spirit of reject, uh, rejection. Now, I'm not talking about character quirks, you know, uh, but I, I'm talking about, you know, when there's an obsession about how you look. It's like you have to take 100 photos before you post one. You know, there's an obsession. It's all too much about the filters. Yeah, and it's simply because pain's come in and that pain is a foothold. Now the enemy uses. Okay, the third area is pride. Is pride. Now this manifests in different ways. Uh, it can be people talking about their own accomplishments all the time. It's you don't get a word in. Uh, you talk, you have a conversation. In fact, it's not even a conversation. They're just telling you about their life. They don't even ask you one question about your life. How many have been in conversations like that before? You know, people who portray themselves as better than somebody else. You know, they always give their opinions and, and they dominate conversations. And they, they, they believe theirs is the best opinion, theirs is, uh, theirs is right. But this is all a result of a wound. And it's often a result of being hurt and vowing, I'm never going to get hurt again. So I'm going to live in a way where I'm self-sufficient. And I don't have to, I, I, I don't even want to listen to other people's opinions just in case they're contrary to mine. Uh, which is dangerous. So pride comes in and it can manifest in itself in different ways. Fourth area where it can come, uh, uh, where the symptom is independence. Uh, that's where people always hold other people at arm's length. Uh, they're guarded. People can come so far, but not too close. Now, it's where, you know, they, people don't invite counsel. How many know we need one another? And, and, and we don't know what we don't know, and we can't see what we can't see. That makes sense. But God's designed it, designed it so other people can see our blind spots, so that they can lift us up. Now, 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 this type of independence, it stems again from rejection or perceived abandonment in the past. And, and what it is, is a safeguard against pain. It's, okay, I'm going to build walls around me so nobody can get in. Okay, number five, we're going to move through these quickly, is, is touchiness. Uh, what I mean by that is, is people who are easily offended. Again, it's a symptom of rejection. It's like you've got to walk around on eggshells. Uh, you know, if, if you don't get the phrasing right, they, 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 they hold you to every word you've, you've, you've said. How many know from a platform sometimes people aren't going to say the right words? Yeah, but you've got to hear the heart. And some people are just touchy. It's like, oh, uh, they're easily offended. It's, uh, they're, it's almost like they're looking to be offended because that justifies their bad attitude. Yeah, you know, those people are easily offended. They, they take every comment per, uh, personally. You can't even joke around with them. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Calm down. Yeah, you know, it's like you have to be extremely careful. Now, now naturally, people are 
more sensitive to things than others, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about an ultra sensitivity. Okay, number six is, is excessive loneliness or shyness. Now, the key word here is excessive. Many of you know that as a teenager, I grew up shy, insecure, and uh, that was holding me back. I had to come to a point where uh, I'd understand that shyness was not one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's not love, joy, peace, patience. Shyness, it's not in Galatians chapter 5. You can check it out. And, and excessive shyness actually can stem from a spirit of rejection. You know, I'm talking about you know, an overt, irrational fear of being around people. People, we're designed to live in community. Okay, number seven, number seven, a need to control. Or control and manipulation. Anyone who has to control everything, and they often do it by manipulation, has a spirit of rejection. Because they need to control other people's responses. See, what it boils down to is you've been hurt in the past, so you want to control them so that they don't reject you in the future. You know, these people will interrupt a lot. Uh, they'll try and turn it back on you. It's like you can't address an issue, and it's like they deflect. And, and you highlight something, but ne next minute it's like, whoa, it's my problem. And, and they'll often do it through intimidation. They hurt people and hurt people. What do they do? They hurt people. Offended people offend people. You know, people can even try and control and manipulate through self-pity. Uh, they try and get you to feel sorry for them. They, they un unload all their hardships. I've got it worse than everybody else. You know, they, they can even manipulate through crying. And, and it's like, as soon as you confront them on a matter, they start crying. And those tears are basically saying, you're hurting me, stop hurting me. Now, have you ever, you know, with a child, uh, seen a child uh, go into a fit and, you know, cry, uh, you know, the upset. And then you say to them, hey, I'll go and buy you some ice cream. And they stop immediately. Uh, come on, how, how many have been there? It's like, yeah. Up to that, they're acting like you're killing them. Yeah, they, they act like you're abusing them, but somehow ice cream makes it all better. Yeah, it, it's like, that's what people do. You know, it's like, I can't. even silence is a big one for marriages, relationships. Silence is a form of manipulation. If you're giving the silent treatment, you're manipulating. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't give one another space, if we, we need to get a bit of, but if we go days or, you know, a long time without speaking, without dealing with issues, we are, are manipulating. And it stems from a spirit of rejection. See, here's the problem. The defense mechanisms we put in place, the walls we build up, yeah, they may protect us, but the walls that we build up also stop the things that we need to come into our life. And... and and this is the problem. And it all stems from the Spirit. But here's the good news today. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Come on, uh, we should get a little bit excited about that. 
Come on, you don't have to live in that place where you have those outbursts of anger. You don't have to live with that insecurity. You don't have to be ruled by pride, independence, you know, being so touchy, shy. Oh yeah, you don't have to control and manipulate. Jesus wants to heal your heart this morning. Okay, second thing, point two, point two, is Jesus came to heal bruises. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, now what a bruise is, is a bruise is inward bleeding. And, and so it may not be a wound on the outside, but it's something happening on the inside. And, and Jesus said, I've come to set at liberty those who have been bruised. Now, let me tell you, a, a bruise can hold you captive. A hematoma. They can do a lot of damage. And Jesus said, I've come to set those people free, those who have been bruised, those who have been crushed. In fact, that's what the word means. It means to be crushed. Crushed. First, I ask you, has your heart ever been broken? Many people say, yeah. Okay, second question I wanna ask you is, has your heart ever been crushed? Has somebody said something to you that's crushed you? just crushed you. Maybe it's the loss of a marriage. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship. How many know there's no pain like relational pain? Physical pain, many people can tolerate, but relational pain, it just goes to a whole new level. Maybe it's the loss of a family member. Now, I'm not trying to be insensitive because there's real pain in this room. You know, when, when you feel crushed. And what happens is when you're crushed, what the enemy tries to do is he comes in and tries to take advantage of that situation. And if we're not careful, we open ourselves up and a stronghold comes in. And it happens when we don't operate in the spirit of forgiveness is when we hold unforgiveness in our hearts. Now, now this is big. Because so many of us right now, we're, we're bound and we don't know what, what's holding us back. You know, there's nothing worse. You know, it's like you're fighting, but you don't know what, uh, what the enemy is. It's like you're punching, just hoping to knock out something. Uh, but nothing seems to be working. It's like, and you're carrying something that you, you don't need to carry. Here's a good thing. You can release that this morning. Uh, the story in Matthew chapter 18, it's a powerful story. And we're gonna be, re- verse 21, it says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Uh, up to seven times. Uh, Peter thinks he's, you know, sin the, the bench high. Seven times? How many know if somebody broke your trust seven times? that would be a big deal. If somebody broke your trust three times, that's a big deal. For some of us, if somebody breaks our trust just once, we've written them off. So, so Peter thinks, man, I'm doing a big thing here. How many times should we forgive him? Seven times, no, but Jesus takes it up another level. Jesus said to him, I do not say that up to seven times, but 70 times seven, which is 490. Imagine doing that. Oh man, they're only 480 times have let me down. I've still got to forgive. <laughs> it's like 
fight. He's just saying, no, you have got a responsibility to forgive. And if you know, somebody's let you down 491 times, you know, maybe then, no. <laughs> and, and then what he does, Jesus goes on and tells a story about a certain man who owed a debt of, in, in today's equivalent, $52 million. Yeah, he owed a big debt. In other words, it was a debt he couldn't pay. There's no way he could pay it back. He owed a debt of $52 million. He went to his master and, and he, he begged him to forgive him of this debt. And the good news was the master forgave him. How many of you think that would be a good day? Forgiven of $52 million. You know, here, what Jesus is saying, well, that's equivalent to salvation. Jesus has forgiven us of a debt that we never could pay. Our goodness is, is not good enough. Uh, no, it, it's never enough. We have to rely on the finished work of Jesus. And, and that's what he's talking about, salvation here. But he, he talks about how this person goes away after being forgiven of this great debt. He goes away and sees a guy who owes him $44. And he demands that he pay him back. He demands that he gets justice, and he threw him into prison until he could pay what was due. Now, now the master hears about this, and in verse 32, this is what the master's response was. Then the master, after he called to him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all that debt because you begged me. So you, should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry, and delivered him to torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now, I wonder what the torturers represent. Uh, one, one version says tormentors. I, I want you to notice something very carefully here. Uh, Jesus tells this story, then he says something in verse 35. He says this, so my heavenly father will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. What will he do? He'll send us over to the torturers or the tormentors if you do not forgive. First Corinthians chapter five, there's a story of a guy who's doing some bad stuff and, and in the end, Paul gives a strange instruction. He says to the people, he says, oh, just turn him over to the devil for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit might be saved. Now, now, why would God ever allow that? Why would God ever allow somebody to be <laughs> sent over to the torturers and the tormentors? Uh, listen to me very carefully. You know, think about the Old Testament. When Israel would reject God and when they would serve other idols, what would God do? God would often, if you read through the pattern of scripture, he would turn them over to the enemy and he would do it so that they would repent and that they would come back to God and they would know what bondage is like and they would not wanna stay there. That, that's, that's the whole pattern there. So if you're not gonna forgive, he's gonna allow you to be taunt, uh, tormented so that you will forgive. Otherwise, you're gonna live a miserable life. Jesus wants you to live a full life. 
But if you don't forgive, He's going to allow you to suffer so that you will turn to Him. And the reason I'm saying this is you need to understand, you can't be delivered until you repent. You know, we all know James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Please hear me. You can't resist the devil until you submit to God. By the way, here's another scripture on forgiveness to show how Satan takes advantage of us. You know, you know the guy in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Turn him over. Well, guess what happens? He does repent. Now, in 2 Corinthians, Paul is saying to the community there, now it's time to forgive him. Forgive him. Re receive him back into the family. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, now to whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I've forgiven anything, I've forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Verse 11, least Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, if you hold on to unforgiveness, you're actually opening the door for the enemy to come in and take advantage. Let me tell you how Satan takes advantage and, and how that wound allows a spirit to come in, a spirit of anger, a spirit of unforgiveness, a spirit of fear, a spirit of rejection. Now, what you've got to understand about Satan, as we see in 2 Corinthians 11, that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Transform, uh, the word for that is masquerades. It's like the, the masquerade ball. You know, he puts on a mask. And you put on a mask so that people can't see who you really are. And, and that's what Satan does. He pretends to be an angel of light, but he's not. So now I want you to think uh, just about the Holy Spirit. Now, one of, one, of, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is, is he is a comforter. Now, how the enemy takes advantage is so often he'll come into a situation where we've been crushed, where we've been hurt, where we're in pain, and he'll masquerade himself as the, com the comforter. He's not the comforter, uh, but he masquerades himself as the comforter. Now, uh, for instance, let, let's say I had an argument with Kathy, which does happen from time to time. Yeah, you know, and, and, and we don't resolve it. And we walk away and we leave. Now, you know what the enemy will often come do? He'll come in, into my hurt, into my pain, into my frustration, and he'll put his arm around me and he'll try and comfort me. And he'll comfort me with words like, oh, well, she shouldn't have said that to you. You know, or after all you've done for her, you know, she doesn't respect you. Uh, re remember she said that last week? And he starts talking, how many know that feels good? Yeah, it feels, you know, it makes you feel, oh, I'm right. And the enemy comes in and puts his arm around you, you poor thing. You've been mistreated. She shouldn't talk to you like that. And, and then he goes a little bit further and he goes, you'll never be able to get over this. You shouldn't trust her again. You, you can't. You can't forget this. 
And, and, and here's what we think because, you know, because I'm a Christian, because I'm a pastor. Now, I'll forgive her, but I'm not going to forget this. And, and Satan will come in and go, oh, well, you just saw her true character. And he just lies. Now, he sells all these lies. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have heard those words whispered in your ear? Come on, I need some honest people right now. Okay, 80% are there. Uh, but here's the deal. He whispers all those lies in our ear, puts his arm around us. But here's the deal. If we put our arm around him and say, yeah, you're right. Thank you for being such a good friend. Thank you for comforting me. What happens is the enemy comes in. And now you're giving yourself over to a spirit of bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, anger, malice, hate, all those things, jealousy, pride come into your life. And instead of being comforted, at the start, they look like comforters, but instead of comforting you, what do they do? They torment you. They bind you up. So nobody can get free. So, so no, you can't bring in relationships. So you're isolated. So, so here's the deal. You, you want to get free, but you've got this wound. You know, now, I can pray to I'm blue in the face and take authority of the enemy, but while you refuse to forgive, the enemy has legal right to stay there, has legal right to torment you, has, has, and, and you won't get free. That, that's why forgiveness is key. In fact, one of the hallmarks of the church, the church of Jesus Christ is forgiveness. How many know you need to be a Christian to survive church? Uh, many people go from church to church because they've been offended, they've been hurt, they've been mistreated. I go, hey, if you've been mistreated in church, join the club. If you've been offended, join the club. You're gonna get, but here's the deal. We're not perfect. We don't claim to be perfect. But what we're striving to be is authentic. Authentic to God's Word. And we're going, yeah, things are gonna go wrong, but we're gonna operate in a spirit of forgiveness, a spirit of love, because we understand what Christ has done for us, how much we've been forgiven, how much we've been loved, and just as freely as we have received, we can give. How many know you can't give over what you haven't received? And we've gotta give. Here's the biggest challenge. If we could have the musicians up, by the way, is, is words can come in and hold us back. As some of us right now, we have shallow relationships and a lot of it has to do with what I've spoken about today. But God wants to take you to a deeper level. Uh, if you've been hurt, that person you've been hurt by may never get on their knees and ask for your forgiveness. But let me tell you, Jesus got on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. He will get on his knees in front of you and take that hurt off you and wash you and set you free if you allow him. Mm -hmm.